Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm just going to talk in the dark. It's really intimate. Um, and uh, we love it. So just, just hum happy Jesus thoughts for a minute here. Um, we can talk in the dark. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, we all have phones with flashlights on them, right? Um, my name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor and privilege to be here with you. Uh, I preached at so many youth camps, this ain't even the, this doesn't even make the list of weird things for me. Um, so uh, real fast, while the lights are off, um, I just want to uh, give you guys an update. Last week, uh, we, we let you all know that we were receiving an offering for Cup of Cool Water, a ministry downtown that, uh, that works with, with homeless young people, those, those, those young people experiencing homelessness as they journey toward wholeness with themselves and the, and the Lord and society at large. Uh, we presented that to you, and, and I just want to kind of share a little bit here real fast. Um, we, as, as elders, you know, we, we were informed of this need. Um, I think all of you, if you remember here, if you hung out with us very much, you, you probably know this. We have uh, made the commitment as a church, as an eldership, um, to, to take everything that comes in in our regular tithes and offerings and the regular faithful, generous giving that you all do, uh, we take 10% of that and we set it aside and we give it away outside the building. Give it up for the team, get the lights on. Um, next time warm me and I'll say let there be light, it'll seem really cool. Um, so uh, so we, we as, um, as elders, uh, have, have sort of that, and some of that we've designated to regular giving to support missionaries and ministries uh, here, near, and far, uh, and some of it we save for these sorts of things, as, as ministries let us know, hey, this is a, an opportunity, this is a need that we have, this is an opportunity for us to sow, and so we were, we were discussing and praying as we were uh, made, made aware of this uh, particular opportunity to give, and, and as an eldership, uh, we, we knew that the Lord was calling us to give and, and to, to be a part of this and to kind of help facilitate, and and so we, we had sort of set aside in our hearts and said, okay, let's take some time and pray and, and seek. And, and in the midst of that, um, we, really, we really felt like um, we, we wanted to, to be able to give. We, we had sort of in our, our minds, let's set aside $5,000 uh, to give. But we said, wouldn't it be cool? They have a $100,000 need. That's what, the, that's what a cup of cool water needs. They have a $100,000 need. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could give a tithe of their need, if we could give them $10,000? So we said, hey, we have a generous church. We said, we have a generous church, and so let's, let's present this to the church, and we'll set aside this 5,000, we'll believe God, uh, we'll stretch our faith, and we'll believe that we can raise another 5,000, and we can give them $10,000. So, so we called up Cup of Cool Water, their director, and uh, uh, Pastor Doug did, and, and kind of let them know, like, this is what we're doing, this is what we're believing for, and, and we just committed, hey, we're going we're gonna to give this, uh, we're going to commit to giving $10,000 uh, to, to a cup of cool water. And, and so we let you all know that we're going to take this offering. And, and I was praying last Sunday, right before service. And I said, Lord, it would be really, really cool if, if we could give 12,000, that would be friggin' awesome. I mean, cause, cause the director was so moved and so touched, uh, by our, our commitment to give, to give 10, uh, wouldn't it be cool if we could do more than that? And, 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 and that was kind of, so the hope was 10, the dream was 12. Um, and, as of last night, you all gave $22,212.60. So you all were crazy generous, so we decided to, as elders, to be crazier generous with the money that you've already given. So we're gonna get to cut a check for $30,000 to a cup of cool water. Um, this isn't working, so it, you're, it's all you, Stephen. Um, so yeah, so, so $30,000 is going to be able to be given. Uh, praise the Lord. That's, that is because of the goodness of God and the generosity of his people. Amen? 
So, uh, so we're excited about that. We'll be delivering that and, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the Lord's going to do in and through that ministry. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Well, if you got your Bibles, uh, we're, in, we're in the midst of a series, as you could probably guess uh, from that bump video through the Gospel of John. In fact, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to out anybody because I don't know who it was, but as I was walking up here, I literally heard some of you mouthing along with the bump video. <laughs> so if you're new here, that's how long we've been in this series. People can hear it once a week and quote it already. Um, Unlike Netflix, there's no skip intro button, so you just, you're just stuck watching the whole thing. Um, all right, if you've got your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. Uh, we got a lot to cover this morning, uh, so I want, and we've had a full, sun, a full Sunday morning already. I want to make sure that we make good use of our time, uh, but we're going to read God's Word, and we're going to hear what He would say to us. Amen? I love, I love hearing the voice of the Lord in the midst of the Word of the Lord. Amen? So let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. If you're a guest here with us this morning, uh, we stand because as a church, we uh, sort of made a list of ways we can make you uncomfortable, and we just try to do as many of them as we can. We figured if, if men crying on stage wasn't enough, uh, we would just make you stand up. No, uh, no, we, we stand because we, we, we believe, and I need some amens from some sozoites, sozoians, sozoers. Um, we believe that what we are about to hear is the living, breathing, active word of God. And we love the Bible. Uh, and so we stand not to be religious, not to be weird, not to make you uncomfortable. We stand because we want to show reverence to what we're about to read. Uh, much is about to be said, but we know what we're about to hear is God speaking to us. So we want to hear his voice in the midst of his words. So we're going to read quite a, quite a chunk of scripture this morning uh, because I want to try to, to, to wrap our arms around all of this and help us see kind of the context. So, so this is John chapter 1. Sorry, John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus speaking says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father." Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word. We believe, God, this is the word of the Lord. And we praise you for it, Lord. We rejoice over your goodness toward us made manifest in your word given to us. Lord, I, I want to boldly confess that I need to hear from you today. You compare your word to the bread we need to live. And I come, Lord, desperately needing to hear from you today hungry to hear your word. 
hungry to partake of what it is that you would speak to us as your people. Lord, my week is filled with noise. My days are bombarded with messages and words and sounds that all add up to one simple thing, distraction. And today, Lord, I ask that you would help tune my ear once again to what it is that you're saying. We believe that you are a God who speaks. We rest in the assurance that you desire to speak to your people more than your people desire to hear from you. Your word teaches us that. And yet, Lord, we ask for the capacity, the ability to hear what it is that you would say. Give us ears to hear, Lord. Let our ears be attentive to what it is that you are saying. And Lord, as we hear, let what we hear find good soil within our hearts. That it might allow its roots to go deep and and literally transform the very soil, the very foundation, the very topography of our hearts. The living new hearts that you gave us. Let them be transformed. Let them be so transformed, God, that it changes the way we live. But thank you for receiving me just as I am. But thank you, God, not for not leaving me just as I am. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for transforming me. Thank you for making me more like you, Jesus. Let your word do its work. That you might be glorified. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Greet somebody around you real fast and grab a seat. Amen. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be with you all. Um, if you're taking notes, hope you are. Um, I would like to speak to you this morning under the title, under the heading, uh, Our Missional Nature. Our Missional Nature. The church's place and the purpose of God. Um, We've talked about this before, that this dialogue that Jesus is having with his disciples is uh, somewhat unique in the Gospel of John. Every other, every other teaching, every other discussion, every other saying that we have uh, uh, given to us by John of Jesus is sort of done in a very public manner, and so therefore Jesus is speaking like we do when we're speaking in public. Right? There, there's certain things that he, he kind of holds back. There's certain things that he doesn't elaborate on. There's certain things that, that if we're going to be blunt, aren't made as clear as we would hope they would be. And yet in this dialogue, in this discussion, discussion in, this, in this interaction, Jesus is with his, his disciples, his inner circle, the, the 11 left, and he is, he is very open, he is very transparent, and he is very flowing in his conversation. And what we're going to find as we look at John 15, 16, and 17, even into 17, uh, the, there's, there's a lot of things that sort of tie together. You could say that Jesus right now is sort of having one of these, uh, tell me if you know this, these sort of stream of consciousness conversations. So things kind of tie back and loop back together. So I say that because I want to review quickly what we've already gone over. And then I want to touch on sort of the the broad uh, scope of this. But I want to warn you, there's some things that I think Jesus unpacks for us more clearly later on. So we're not going to spend as much time making speculation about what he's saying here. We're going to save that for where Jesus tells us what he means later. Is that cool? I'm going to do it either way. So just say yes. Cool. Um, so, so the first thing I want us to see, the first uh, sort, of, sort of piece to this is that, that Jesus calls us to embrace and entrust ourselves to him in the face of unforeseen hardship. So, so this, this sort of text sort of starts out, this chapter starts out with Jesus saying, hey, you need to believe. That's, we, we talked about this. This is just review. Uh, the, the Greek word here, believe, doesn't mean think something is true. It's not like, well, I, I believe we didn't land on the moon, right? 
I do. I'm just making sure you're listening. Um, so it's not saying I, I believe this or I don't believe this. I think this is true. Or I don't think this is true. What it's saying is it, the, the Greek word here, believe, means to embrace and entrust. Jesus is saying you need to embrace and entrust all of yourself to me. He's warning us that troubled hearts are the result of an external shaking becoming an internal shaking. He's like, don't let what's outside here sneak in. He's just informed his disciples about what is about to happen. He's let them in on the fact that he's about to suffer, that he's about to leave them, and they're freaking out. Again, we talked about this. They were at the height of Jesus' ministry. He's, he's just made the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's just, he's just been welcomed by the people. Everyone's rejoicing. He comes in. They're thinking things can only get better from here, and then he, he shatters their hopes and dreams. And I say here that, that he tells us to do this, uh, to, 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 to embrace him in the face of unforeseen hardship, but I want to be super clear. It's unforeseen to us. It's not unforeseen to him. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what, what testimony, what, 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 what thing has been given to you, what news has come across your life this week, but it, the, I have good news. It's not unforeseen to Jesus. He knew about it. So he's saying, you can, you can embrace me. You can entrust yourself. You can trust me with yourself because it's not unforeseen for me. Calls us to do what the, the beloved John did, and that is lean into him in the midst of the crazy turns of life. Jesus then moves on in this sort of dialogue and lets them know that, that, that Jesus is the perfect revelation and representation of the Father. Jesus is the perfect, he is, he is exactly what God is like. When questioned about the identity and the intentions of the Father, Jesus points back to himself. Everything Jesus says, everything Jesus does, he says, comes from the Father. Pastor you for a second. Be wary, be wary of anything in your theology that contradicts your Christology. Unpack that for you. Beware of anything you believe about God that you don't also believe about Jesus. Be careful that you don't believe anything about Jesus that you don't also believe about God. Now, now, now in the coming weeks, we are going to nerd out on the Trinity. And I'm really excited. And you're not. And that's fine. I have enough excitement for both of us. Um, but... But, but, but understand here that, that Jesus is saying he is the perfect both revelation and representation of the Father. So, so when, we, when we think about what God is like and we think about what we see in Jesus, we need to realize they are one and the same. They are one and the same. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not good cop, bad cop. It's not, it's not angry God of the Old Testament and happy, feathered-haired Jesus of the New Testament. No, they're the same. They're one and the same. He's the perfect revelation, and he's the perfect representation of the Father. What do I mean by that? Two things. Uh, I mean that, that from his place, from Jesus' place of unbroken abiding, Jesus perfectly reveals the Father to, to his disciples, to us, to the world. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. When we ask what God is like, Jesus points to himself. Jesus knows and Jesus loves and Jesus obeys his father. And so from that, he shows the father to us. Next, we see that Jesus does the works of the father by speaking the word of the father. Just makes this clear. This is, this is, this is just simply what he, he informs us. And this is good because this again reinforces, please track with me, reinforces his divinity because this is always the way God does things. We see in the very beginning, Genesis, the Bible's account of the beginning of all things starts off with God creating everything by his word. He declares it and it obeys. 
This is, this is the way God works. God works through the word, through speaking, through declarations. Again, this is sort of weird for us because we live in a, in a society, in a, in, a, in a governmental structure, in a leadership sort of structure where there's, there's the, this idea of, of sort of coming to a, a consent, coming to a, a democratic decision, coming to hearing different opinions, and then, and then work gets done. But in the days of the scriptures, in the days when the Bible was originally written, they understood that King did things by decreeing things. And once it was decreed, it was done. There, there, there was no, there's no debate anymore. Parents, how many of you want to go back to that sort of system in your house? <laughs> right? Like, like, so, so we, we see this consistently uh, in, in the scripture. God says things and they happen. So Jesus saying, hey, I'm doing the works of the Father by speaking the words of the Father, again, reinforces and underlines this simple fact that he is, come on, God. And here, here's, where, here's where I want us to see. That's all review. We've kind of covered all of that. Here's what I need us to see now. Jesus goes on, and Jesus promises both of these things. Let me, let, me, let me go back to this. Both of these things, unbroken abiding and revealing the Father, and doing the works of the Father by speaking the word of the Father, Jesus promises both of those to all believers. All of those things are promised by Jesus to you as a believer. If you are a believer, if you have repented and believed the gospel, if you have admitted and abandoned your sin, that's repentance, and you have believed, you have embraced and entrusted your life to Jesus, the, then Jesus says, if you're doing that, if, if that's happened in you, if the new birth experience has happened in you, then he promises that you will do both of the things that he shows himself doing here. This is the promise for all. I almost titled this message instead of our missional nature. I almost titled this message, the normal, boring Christian life. <laughs> because th literally Jesus doesn't say some believers will do these things. He doesn't say some of you will do these things. He says, everybody who believes in me, they're going to do what I'm doing. Because... I go back to be with the Father. I'm returning back to the Father because of my returning. You are going to do what I was doing. You're going to, you're going to continue on in this journey. So, so, so let's be clear. As sons, we too reveal the Father. As sons of God, we too reveal the Father. We, we, we are called, we are commanded to continue the work of Jesus. So we as sons also reveal the Father. This is what, I, I want to be super clear about this. This is what all Christians do. So, so let, me, let me say it mean. If you're not doing this, it very well could be that despite what you believe about yourself, you are not actually a Christian. M-A-R-K at S-O-Z-O-S-P-O. <laughs> Mark at sozospokane.org. Send me your emails. We'll talk this week. It's fine. That, 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 that's what it says. All who believe in me are going to do what I'm doing. What's he doing? Abiding in the Father and revealing the Father. That this, this, is just what, this is just the boring, normal Christian life. This is what we do. We reveal the Father, not by striving, not by straining under religious discipline, but by simply abiding in the dwelling place provided for us in the Father's house by the Son. When I say if you're not doing this, you very well, I, I, let me say it this way. If you're not doing this, if this is not your experience, I can give you no assurance that you are a Christian. Can I say it that way? Is that, is that like 2% nicer and so you'll take it? So, so, but what I want to make sure you're not hearing is this. So hurry up and start doing it. See, we, we get, we, we love in the church. Come on, I'm going to talk about us. It's my team. I can talk about us. We love in the church to flip the horse and buggy. 
Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you're abiding in me, if you, I, I, I go to the Father to prepare a place for you. I'm making a place, a secure place in my Father's house. We talked about this. The only way to have a secure place in a Father's house is to either be a son or a bride, and the Bible calls us both, amen? So we have a secure place, and we're called to abide there and dwell there. And he's saying, look, and you're gonna do the work, and don't worry, everybody who's abiding and dwelling, this is just what they do. This is, the, this is the natural course of action for the believer. It's not a call like, hey, her, you, know, you better get up and you better, you know, how many tracts have you handed out this week? Can I just be blunt for a second? I don't think handing out tracts is always a very good representation of the Father. <laughs> you screaming in a bullhorn at people that you disagree with is not showing the Father. You condemning all the sins that make you uncomfortable, <laughs> but none of the ones that you like to do in private is not showing the Father. Mark at sozospokane.org. <laughs> See, we're given a permanent place by the Son in the Father's house. Both his sons and brides were secure in our abiding let me, let me say it to you this way. And I hope this also will help you in the God and Jesus one and the same. The Father did not send the Son to found a religion. The Father sent the Son to rescue his family. See, we, we think, oh, I got to repent and believe the gospel. That means I need to join, join the church. And, and listen, okay, I think this is a great Sunday for this. Do we believe in joining the church? Do we believe it's important to, 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 to make a commitment to a local house? Do we believe that the scripture says that, that, that God for our good gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Does, does he place elders and deacons in the house? Absolutely, yes and amen. And it's good, it's, it's for our good, come on somebody, that, that he, he calls us to be rooted and planted in the church. But doing that does not get you into the family. We're called to do this because we are in the family, and so we ought to be in a family. I, I, if you've taken our, our, we call it belong class, it's our membership sort of, uh, of track. And, and if you've taken that with me, you'll know, I, I talk about this, that, that the, the scripture does not explicitly call us to become a member of a local church. But it does give us commandments of things we're supposed to do to one another. And I'm very grateful that the Lord has given us the gift of the local church so that I can fulfill those commandments to you all and I don't have to do it for the, I don't know, billion Christians on the planet. He gives us this so we can care for one another. We can walk together and we can, we can experience the fruit of the gospel together. Jesus, though, does not get sent by the Father to found a religion. And when we, when we start framing our interaction and our relationship and our, 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 our abiding in a religious context, we miss the beauty of what Jesus accomplished for us. Because he didn't come to, to found a religion. He came to, to rescue, to find and to rescue his family. So as you are, as you are brought into this abiding place, the, the picture does not need to be, I, I get to warm a pew in the church of God, but rather I get to live in the house of God. I get to dwell in his house. I get to be with him all the time. He didn't start a religion. He rescued a family. This is, this is, this is what Paul means when he says that we as believers, and we're gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself, I don't care. It's what he means when he says that God makes us his ambassadors, his messengers. We go out and we plead with people, come to church. No, we go and we plead with people, be reconciled to God. We hear that after 2,000 years of, 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 of churchianity, we hear that through religious ears. But the original 
audience wouldn't have heard that. That was not a religious term. Reconciled, that's a, that's a relational term. That's a family term. That's a you're dumb and ran away from the best thing in your life and he came chasing after you. That's, that's what he's talking about here. So as members of the family, let me, let, me, let, me, let me lay this out. As now members of the family, this is why this is so important for us to get this. As members of the family, we do the business of the family. Let me say it another way. You can't do the business of the family unless you're a part of the family. You don't have the right to, 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 to occupy, to do business on behalf of the father unless you are the son of the father. Now, now, now let me be clear. We, he could have just made you an, an agent of the house and you, could, you would have been given that right. But he elevates, he honors, he desires, let that bother you for a minute, you to the point where he does not desire you as an agent, he desires you as family. So as, as members of the family, we are involved in the family business. We're like Jesus, who at 12 years old said, do you not know that I must be about, come on, my father's business? There's, there's evidence there culturally that, that he, he had gone through his, 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 his sort of journey to, to becoming and being recognized as a man, his bar mitzvah. He's a man now, and so he's saying, okay, as a man, I'm, I'm supposed to be about my father's business. And he recognizes that his father was not the earthly father that God graciously gave him. Come on, somebody. But rather, he was identifying with his true heavenly father. We, in the same way, are called to the same thing. And so we will do the works of Jesus. Every Christian does the works of Jesus. This is what we do. This is just who we are. As we go about our day, as we, as we move about our days, we do the works of Jesus. We will do the works of Jesus. This is, this is in many ways the birth, biblically, of the missional nature of the church. We've talked about this a lot, so I don't think I have to, I have to stress it too much, but you are not just redeemed and reconciled so that you can be redeemed and reconciled. But there was, there was for your good, given to you, accomplished for you, rescuing, redemption, right? And reconciliation, redeemed from the sin that we were born into, reconciled back to the God who made us, but that all happened so that we can experience reclamation as well. He reclaims us for the purpose for which he initially created us which means that all of the failings and fallings, mistakes and errors, and what the Bible just junk drawer calls sin that you committed does not disqualify you from, from his, his plans and purposes, but rather in him, he qualifies you. Can I get an amen from anybody who's happy that, that, that your participation in the business, the, the family business of God is not based on your competency, but on his qualifying you? Because I don't know what y'all's jobs were like, but I never liked competency reviews, right? That's, that's not what we have here. This is, this is the beginning of Jesus revealing that, that, that as the redeemed, we are, we are not just being redeemed so that we can just sort of follow along. And, and man, this is so good. Not just called to follow along and watch Jesus do things, but rather we are called to participate in what Jesus is doing. Again, this is a promise to all believers to continue the mission of God continue the mission of Jesus. What is the work of Jesus? Well, Jesus seems to imply here that his work is revealing the Father by speaking the words of the Father. So I want to be clear. We are going to do the works of Jesus in the same way Jesus did the works of Jesus, which is by speaking the word of God. This is how, this is how we do this. 
This is how we, this is how we participate in the continuing mission of Jesus. He's letting them know, look, look, that just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that my mission is over. Jesus is called the Word in the beginning of the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Speaking of Jesus. All the other Gospels, the other three uh, in the Scriptures, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are all called synoptic Gospels. Matthew and Luke both include genealogies. They include the genealogies of Jesus' earthly family. John, when he wrote his, wanted to give us a more, I almost said better, but that feels wrong to say like one is better when you're talking about the Bible. That seems weird. Um, But a, a deeper, I'll use that, understanding of Jesus' genealogy. And so he goes all the way back and says, in the beginning was the word. The scriptures teach us this, that whenever God sends forth his word, it never returns back to him until what? It accomplishes everything that it was, it was, it was called to do. But is the, is the totality of the mission of Jesus completed? No. Which means he came, he did what he did, and he's saying, now because I'm going to the Father, your part starts. He's, he's accomplished everything necessary and so he says, it's now, your, it's now your honor, it's now your privilege to extend and expand. Come on, somebody. It's going to be through you now that all of this takes place. See, this is why, this is why I've been trying to hammer on us understanding that you are a son of God, that you are the bride of Christ. Because if we don't get that... If, if you're not convinced of that, if you're not fully convinced, if you have no assurance of that in yourself, how in the world are you ever going to do the family business? If you're constantly wondering if you even are a son, how are you going to do the job of a son? If you don't know that you're his bride, how are you going to feel comfortable barging into his room? I'm just level with you. I don't have a room in our house. My wife has a room. She lets me be in it. (laughs) Not saying that's the way it is in heaven. Just saying that's the way it is in my house. And by my house, I mean her house. (laughs) People are like, no, it's your house. No, no, it's not. Because if it was my house, it would be a studio apartment. That's all I would have. Everything good in my life. Amen. Comes from the Lord through my wife. Um, We've got to get this. If we don't know, if we're not convinced of this, then hearing you're going to do the work of Jesus, we instantly go, no, no, no. Super Christians are going to do the work of Jesus. People more holy than me are going to do the work of Jesus. Some of you are sitting there going, isn't that what we pay you to do? (laughs) No. We all, come on somebody, are, 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 are invited, yes, even commanded. We're just told, look, if you're a believer, this is just what's going to happen to you. Your life's going to point back to the Father. This is why addiction is such a crippling thing in the life of a believer. Because see, all addiction is, is you allowing a good thing that God gave you to terminate upon itself. Easy one. Food. Guys, like, why does a preacher talk about food on Sunday when I'm hungry? Just because I like to help you grow in your sanctification. (laughs) Food is a gift God gives us. Food, right? It's a gift God gives us. Apparently, they're better cooks than you. Right? Food, is, food is meant to be enjoyed. There's, there's nothing biblically simple about food being enjoyed. In fact, you can make the argument in Scripture that the reason why God made food taste good was so you would know that he's good. And so when, when we enjoy food and we thank God for it, our enjoyment of food points back to the Father and everyone around us sees God is good. But when it terminates upon itself, come on somebody, 
It either becomes, uh, a, a, it becomes an eating disorder on one side or the other. See, these addictions then, finding freedom, walking in freedom from addiction, then becomes part of the journey of us fulfilling, come on, the family business of God. It's not, well, I just need to morally improve so I can be a better person. See, this, this is why, please hear me, this is why I, when I talk about the recovery community, and, and, and I, I was one of y'all, I, I, I went through the 12 steps. I've, I've said this publicly before several times, that I, ha, I, had my, I have my two-year coin, uh, and some people, people come up to me and said, you've only been clean for two years? No, I went for two years, I stopped going, I still have the two-year coin. Just to be clear, because some people were like very confused, like, haven't you passed the church for 10? Were you an addict for the first eight? Like, no. Um, and somebody pointed out, like, you've been saying you have your two-year coin for a lot of years. Um, no. Um, thanks, Jesus, clean for a long, long time. Um, but the problem, with the, the problem with the recovery community is it's only focused on recovery. And as a believer, you're promised more than that. Now, if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody who's an addict, we want to rejoice over them being clean, amen? Because clean you, for everybody around you, is way better than addicted you. Okay, we, we love you either way, but we like you a whole lot more the other way. Okay, but, but the point is, if all we do is focus on the recovery and we don't focus on the reclamation piece, we miss the whole point. So Jesus comes and he says, no, you're going you're gonna to do the works that I do. The same works that I do, you're going to continue to do. And we do these same works by the same way that Jesus does. We, we, we reveal the Father by speaking the words of the Father. And what is the word of the Father? Jesus. In the beginning was the word. We point, come on, to Jesus. We do the same thing he does. We reveal him. We point back to him. We say it all the time. It's all about Jesus. This is why we must receive the new birth as our true identity. Only family can do family business. You are qualified. You are qualified by your association, not by your aptitude or your accomplishments. Your qualification comes from him choosing to associate with you. The story that Jesus tells, the parable that Jesus tells, we call it the prodigal son. I have a problem with that for two reasons. Number one, he, was only, he wasn't a prodigal at the end of the story. <laughs> right? But let's talk about our team for a minute. Our team likes to label us based upon the worst thing we've ever done. <laughs> So I don't think we should call it the story of the prodigal son. Second, why would we call the story? Why would we give honor in the story name to the joker in the story? Why not give it to the only one that does anything good in the story? Let's call it the faithful father. <laughs> right, let's, tell, let's call it the story of the faithful father. In that story, the prodigal son comes to himself in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his rebellion, recognizes the goodness of his father, right? Says, even my father's servants are better than this. He's literally living in a pig pen. I know kids, your parents tell you, you live in one. This guy really did it. <laughs> living, he's living in the filth of unclean animals. He's, he's so hungry, he wants to eat the rotting food that's been given to these animals and hear me, please, Christian. It was remembering the goodness of his father that made him want to go back, not the misery of his current condition. Was he aware of the misery of his current condition? Yes. Can I let you in on a secret, Christian? Most of the unbelievers that you interact with are fully aware of the misery of their situation. What they need to hear, what they need to see from you, come on, is the goodness of the father. So, so, so he remembers the goodness. Hey, even, even my father's servants live better than this. And I know how good my father is. So I bet if I go back, and here's where religion kicked in, and I, if I can come up with a good enough plea, and, and, and if I can cry enough, and if I can just show him how sorry I am, maybe he'll let me come and be a servant again. 
And this is how many of us have returned to the Father. But many of us refuse, we refuse to receive what the Father gave to His Son. Because the Father comes running and meets the Son on the way. And the Father puts a robe on the Son and puts a ring on His finger. The Father restores dignity in the robe and authority by the ring. And many of us go, no, 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 I just want to be a servant in the house of God. Look, that's a great heart. But you are denying the goodness of God being manifested in your life when you call yourself a sinner saved by grace. Let me be super clear. You were a sinner saved by grace. If you are a believer, if you, if you have repented and believed the gospel, you were a sinner saved by grace for what I believe after deep study of the scriptures, 8.2 nanoseconds. And then you became a son. Scripture says you are no longer a slave. You are a son. I'm not telling you what I made you. I'm telling you what Jesus makes you. You're a son. He restores dignity and authority. And we have to get this because if you struggle with this idea, well, I, I, I can't do the works of Jesus. Just a sinner saved by grace. Hoping I don't screw up again this week. But I will. <laughs> but his grace is sufficient for me. If you struggle with this, there's no way we're going to talk about this. Because he doesn't say you're going to do the works that I do. He says you're going to do the works that I do and greater works. And if you're just a snow-covered dung pile, I'm quoting some of my favorite theologians that I disagree with on this area. Jonathan Edwards says we're just snow-covered dung. That so denies the reality of what Jesus did. Just super clear, Jonathan Edwards, way smarter than me. He's just wrong here, okay? They don't come up and be like, well, I think, like, whatever, we can talk later. We've got it. We, listen, listen, I, I think in an attempt for us to understand the magnitude of what Christ did, it is good for us to recognize the total depravity under which we are born. I'm not denying that. What I'm saying is just as depraved, let me put it this way, just as enemy as you were outside of Jesus, you are family inside of Jesus. And Christians have no problem writing books and soliloquies about what a rotten sinner they were, but nobody wants to talk about the redeemed version of themselves. Or we just want to talk about this and ignore all that over there. And, and here's the beauty of the Bible. It does both. So Jesus comes and says, listen, I'm returning back to the Father. I'm going to make a place for you there so that you can be there with me. And then here you can continue. You can extend and expand my mission here. Because I've made you a son. I've accomplished everything necessary for your inclusion into the mission of God. This is the boring Christian life. We will do, the, the boring Christian life is we will do greater works than Jesus. That is, beloved, that is so much better than get out of hell free. I, I, need, a, I need like an amen, a whoop, whoop, a something from everybody who's happy they don't have to go to hell. Okay, like, I don't care what theological version of hell you believe in, I don't like any of them. People are like, oh, I read this book, it's got like five different views of hell. I read it too, I don't like any of them. It's like, happy I don't have to go to any version of it, right? Like, I don't, people are like, what's your theology on hell? Like, I don't think about it. Not going there. Don't really plan on visiting. Think I've had a glimpse of it at some points in my life here. I want to focus on where I'm going. Amen? 
when I'm going on vacation to Hawaii, I'm not reading stories about the uh, South Pole. If you're going to heaven, don't bother learning about hell. I know it's like polar opposite (laughs) joke, Um, but like, like, I'm going up, not down. So I'm I'm like, okay, I'm happy about that. But I think we need to recognize that not going to hell is not the point and not even getting to go to heaven is the point. The point is we get to be a part of the works that he's doing and greater works. So let me throw that teacher hat on real fast, get through this as quick as I can so that we can land the plane. Um, Let me be clear when we talk about the greater works. Again, this is one of those areas we're gonna get into later as Jesus unpacks this better for us in other places, but I just wanna be super clear. Let's, let's be super clear. Jesus isn't clear about what these greater works are. There's nothing in the text where he says like greater works mean like X-Men superpowers, right? Like doesn't make that clear. Um, we can, and many do speculate, but Jesus gives no specifics about what the greater works are. Uh, Greek here uh, is megos. The word greater is megos. That's where we get the word mega. Um, not MAGA, MEGA, so don't throw stuff at me. Um, it, it literally means more in either quantity or quality. So here we need to remember, uh, like always in scripture, that, that context is key, amen? So the context here of what Jesus is talking about um, is clear. Our greater works are the continuation of his works. So we can infer and assume that the substance of the greater works are going to be like his. And the substance of the context here is pointing back to the Father. So, so, so if, I didn't, if I didn't freak you out before, let me just make sure I get it done now. Jesus is implying that both in quality and quantity, we will point to the Father greater than he did. If that doesn't bother you, like at least 10%, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> that should maybe make a little bit of you wiggle. It, if it doesn't, it either, means, it either means that you are so ridiculously prideful, you don't understand the gravity of that, or it means that you just are ignorant of it. Right? Like, we, 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 Jesus is saying, you're going to continue this. The revealing of the Father will be extended and expanded even as Jesus exit, exits his eternal, or, or rather his earthly time back to his eternal place. So I don't think we can claim, this is just all Bible teacher real fast, I don't think we can claim this verse as a bedrock to build uh, our our belief on on signs and wonders on. I don't think that's what he's talking about here. I'm team signs and wonders. Super happy that I've experienced healing, that my family's experienced healing, that many of you have experienced healing. I'm super happy that God proves himself through, through, through doing the works that he did in scripture still today. Can I get an amen from some charismatic people in the room, please? Okay, so I'm team that. There's other places we can go for that. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. I just don't. Here's a big reason why I don't. Because he said all believers will do this. And not all believers have moved throughout history in signs and wonders gifts. So to be able to say that this is signs and wonders, you'd have to then be able to say, if you don't do it, you're not a Christian. And that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is all believers continue, come on somebody, in the work that Jesus was doing, the primary work that Jesus was doing was revealing the Father for the sake of reconciliation, reclamation. Amen? So that's what he's talking about here. What he's saying is we will extend and expand both the quantity and the quality of revealing the Father by the Son. Quantity. Let's just be real. There's more sons now than there was when Jesus was walking the earth. Like this, is, this shouldn't be one that we argue about. If you, if you went to kindergarten, you know addition, and so there's more sons now, amen? There was the son, there's still the son, he's still the son, we are a son, <laughs> right? So we see this, so quantity, there's more, but quality. What do we mean by quality? Here's what I believe it means, this is part of it, again, we're gonna unpack it more later, but part of it. Jesus by nature of the construct of time, was only able to point to a promise foretold of forgiveness. 
we as sons are able to point to a promise fulfilled. That's a greater honor. Right? Like, like Jesus won the victory. That was, that was good. I'm, I'm just, I have. Jesus won the victory. Jesus won our victory. Pick it up, guys. Somebody's going to email me. Well, more Presbyterians sit over here and more Pentecostals sit over here. I know, whatever. Um, Bringing us all together. Uh, Jesus won the victory. It's his victory. On our behalf, but it's his victory. But we're given the honor of getting to proclaim that victory. That's pretty friggin' cool, (laughs) biblically speaking. This is what I think he means when he talks about greater works. He he accomplishes it, but then he says, hey, hey, you you get to go tell people about it. Come on. None of y'all are humble enough to do that. If you won, you get to be the one to tell everybody about how you won. Oh, I know. If I was half as spiritual as y'all pretend to be, we would have no problems in this church. See, Jesus humbly gives us the honor of being able to fulfill, or point to, rather, the fulfilled promise. We are given the greater honor of proclaiming the fulfilled, finished, final promise of God in the redemption, reconciliation, and reclamation in Jesus and by Jesus. I believe this is predominantly the greater works of which he speaks. Our message is superior to the message because we proclaim the victory won, not the victory promised. And then as we face trials and troubles, when the impossible seems to arise against us, Jesus makes us one more promise. Jesus promises us the resources of heaven. He says, anything you ask, as you're, as you're, as you're living out this normal, boring Christian life, as you're living it out and an impossible thing comes your way, just ask. Anything stands in your way of being able to fulfill the mission that I've given you, I'll do it. That's what he means by in my name. If you're, if you're, if you're working in my, if you're, if you're fulfilling my mission, this is not a, a call to, to just, you know, whatever you want, you know, like cyber truck, Jesus name. Nope. Didn't work. Right. In Jesus name is not, is not the magic words that we slap onto the end of our selfish prayers. James makes this clear, right? Two reasons why you don't have. You either didn't ask for it, <laughs> or when you did ask for it, you were just wanting to squander it on yourself. The, the provision of heaven is only resource to the purpose of heaven. Jesus makes that promise to us. You will never lack the necessary provision for fulfilling the divine purpose. Never. Never, never, never. And, and here's the cool part. The predominant way that God provides provision, supplies provision for purpose, is through the people of God. You all just got to be used. Come on, somebody. We rejoice. We clapped and cheered, not because big money. We clapped and cheered because God, in his goodness, through our generosity, is able to to, to make a way for what seemed to be impossible. Amen? I'm going to just level with you, just real fast. Just just like take the pastor collar off and just, just talk to you for a second. When a homeless ministry downtown reached out to us and said, we need $100,000, a little bit of me inside laughed at them. Like you minister to homeless people and you need $100,000. What are you, crazy? How about no? You know, it's like, I mean, I just, I didn't see it. I didn't see the path. I think I confessed that to you earlier. Like the biggest number I thought we could raise was like 12 grand. We did slightly better than that. Because see, when God calls us to his purpose, he promises us his provision, not ours. Not ours, his. And the predominant way he does that is through the people of God. Through the people of God just being obedient to whatever, whatever he tells you to do, we just do it. Trust him to do whatever he's going to do. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. 
we're going we're gonna to move into our response now. And, and I know this morning has, has gone long, and I would apologize, but the Bible tells me not to lie. So I can't tell you I'm sorry. Um, it was a good day to be in church, though, amen? amen? I think so. But then again, I'm paid to be here. We, we set aside time every, every week to respond to what we hear. We believe that when God speaks, he expects to see response. Amen? So to put it another way, it's right and good for us to respond to the Lord. And I trust that you've heard that, that miracle that God does in the midst of, of the words spoken to a group that he's spoken to you. So we want to give us time to respond. We respond predominantly in three ways. Contemplation, celebration, and communion. contemplation. We want to give time to just wait before the Lord and let him speak to us. Here's what I, I, I think we need to spend some time contemplating this morning. How convinced are you that Jesus is God? I mean that two ways. I mean that to, to, to you if you're here and you would say, listen, I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a part of this whole church thing, I'm just sort of checking this out, I just got, I just got brought here by somebody, that, that's all, the only reason I'm here. I'm asking you, are you ready to admit once and for all the truth? Are you ready to embrace and entrust your life to Jesus? It's as simple as admitting and abandoning your sin, I've talked about it earlier, and embracing Jesus, entrusting him with everything. Again, it's not about, come on, it's not about joining a church. It's not about finding religion. It's certainly not about changing political parties. It's about being welcomed, come on, by your good heavenly father back into the family. How convinced you? But I also mean this, how convinced you're a believer, Christian, beloved, bride of Christ, son of God, how convinced are you that Jesus and God are the same? Or have you still bought into this thing where it's like Jesus is, Jesus is one way and I, I like Jesus and I can be with Jesus, but, but man, there's this other religious thing that I also have to do to please God. No, they're, they're, let me go real deep theologically. Jesus and God, God and Jesus, same, same. Not good cop, bad cop. Same in essence and in nature. Second thing we should contemplate. How convinced are you that you are permanently in the family of God? Let me put it to you this way. How comfortable are you in the robe and the ring? Because if we're, listen, if we're going to do the greater works, we gotta, we, we've got to get comfortable in the robe and the ring. I'm not talking about being a junior high boy walking around with your chest puffed up just looking to throw down. I'm not talking about pride and ego. I'm talking about humbly, graciously accepting the goodness of our God demonstrated upon restoring us back to the dignity and authority that he called us and created us for. How convinced are you of, the, of your place in the family? How convinced are you that you were chosen in Jesus, by Jesus, for adoption? How convinced are you that you belong to him, that you are his beloved? Lastly, how convinced are you that his mission is now your mission? Your purpose, your mission, the reason you are breathing air is so that you can point back to the Father and show everyone just how ridiculously, scandalously, remarkably, shockingly good, come on, he is. The only way we're going to do that is if we see him that way. So I'm going to pray. We're going to respond. Through celebration, through contemplation and communion. Celebration, we're going to sing. Contemplation, we're going to let the Spirit of the Lord do some work in our hearts as we ponder these things. Communion, we're going to open up these tables to all who put their faith in Jesus. If you're a Christian, if you have repented and believed the gospel, and you agree with every theological thing that I say, you can take communion here. 
No one would take communion. I don't think I would take communion here. No, listen, if you're a believer, these tables are open to you. Amen? This is a family meal. We eat as a family. You might be a guest in the family this morning. This might not be your home church, but if, if, if the church is your home, amen? Come on. Then these tables are open to you. There's no need for theological agreement. But listen, if you're not a believer, if you're still on that journey, you're still trying to figure that out, I want to just let you know this is something given to Christians for Christians to do, and I'm not going to ask you to pretend like you're something you're not. would never ask you to do that. We take by a method known as intiction. So we take a piece of bread, or we do have gluten-free on the edges here. We dip in the, in the juice, and we partake. We do that just as we feel led throughout this time of response. The other way we commune is we commune one with another. We have a team of, uh, of people that would love the opportunity to stand with you and pray with you and believe God to do miracles in your life. Just because Jesus in saying the greater works aren't the signs and wonders doesn't mean, come on church, that we don't believe in a God who does the impossible. Amen? So if you have a need in your life, maybe you're coming back to the Lord. Maybe you, you, you need to have some of that wrong thinking broken off you. Maybe as you're contemplating, God starts stirring stuff up in you. Man, I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you to go and let somebody stand and pray with you. God does stuff when we pray. Amen? So Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for revealing the Father. Thank you for leading us into truth. Jesus, thank you for your final, finished, accomplished work. God, we ask that you would have your way in this moment. Reveal yourself in new and powerful ways for your glory and the good of all people. In Jesus' name. Church, let's respond to the Lord.